0: Welcome to Tapping Into Crypto. This topic is one you guys have been screaming out for. We have had so many requests. So today we are going to unpack crypto gaming and the play to earn praise that has taken over the last few months. And we're going to share with you how some people are quitting their day jobs to earn cold, hard cash or crypto in this instance, whilst playing games. Now one of the questions we got the most when introducing this topic is why would they pay you to play these games? How do the companies behind this actually make their money? It's super interesting and it does vary, but for most of them, they charge a fee. So you might earn $10 from selling your potion or trading your character and they will charge you a certain percent for facilitating that transaction. Now, we're going to go pretty deep into this today. The person joining me is Morgan Robert, and we're going to uncover what Play to Earn is, a run through of one of the most popular games, Axie Infinity. Going to talk about how NFTs and the metaverse are incorporated into this world of gaming, which is incredibly interesting. And because Morgan himself is a pretty traditional gamer, we're going to chat through what hardcore gamers think of this entire concept. And we'll have a good discussion about how play to earn and the metaverse is completely changing the gaming industry for good. Now, guys, we love hearing from you, especially over the last week. So many of you have let us know some. you'd love us to cover. Now, my favour to all of you listening this week is if you enjoy the episodes, if you are getting something out of listening, I would love for you to share this with a friend or someone that you think might get something out of this. We don't put ads on here and we do everything on this podcast for you. So things like sharing, subscribing, leaving a review, they are all the things that will help us to keep this content coming through and they mean the world to us when you guys do them. So whether you're a beginner, a Bitcoin veteran, or just crypto curious, I am your host, Alicia Chapman, and this is Tapping Into Crypto. Welcome to the podcast, Morgan Robert. It is so wonderful to have you here with us today.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: So you work at SwiftX and you are one of the team leads there in our favorite department. Can you let everyone know what you do over at SwiftX?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I run a, a small team of customer support agents. We mostly work on the chats, answering questions for customers, helping them navigate the app. A little bit of phone conversations as well, wherever necessary, but um, predominantly it's, it's working the chats.
0: Amazing, and we are going to be chatting about a topic that so many people have been asking for us to dive a little deeper into. But before we get into that, our question that we ask to every single guest on this podcast is: What was your very first
1: crypto purchase? Ah, uh, yeah. So mine was a pretty, pretty standard one. It was Bitcoin, but I actually walked up the road and bought it from a news agent because oh at my the God, time. No way. Yes, you could you could buy it over the counter at the newsagent. I think it was using Polly. And then I, I showed him my wallet address over the counter and three or so days later, it was there in my Exodus wallet.
0: Wow. Oh, my goodness. So how long ago was this?
1: Uh, this was about um, 2013 or 14, I think. Yeah. Oh, my
0: goodness. And did you ride all the waves?
1: Uh, look, I was a pretty amateur investor. Um, I lived in a share house. My friends were doing it. We had lots of late night chats about blockchain and what it was. Um, we all dipped our toes in a little. I bought 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin. So it was, yeah, it was about the least I could get just to get in the race.
0: Still would have been worth a lot more now, though.
1: Um, look, this one is what I call a donation to the Institute of Crypto Education. I lost my key phrase.
0: No. Oh my gosh. That's even worse than selling it.
1: Oh, that's that's somewhere in the ether oh so, but it's okay oh. it was it wasn't too much so
0: oh yeah we'll go yeah. 50 or yeah, dollars and that's all we, we don't that think, think, think that. about yep um guys if you want to avoid this happening to you we have an excellent episode all around wallets uh from a couple of weeks ago so yeah definitely check that one out if you want to figure out how to store that key phrase safely. Now, Morgan, the topic we're talking about today is play-to-earn and gaming cryptos. So it's something that's kind of taking the world by storm at the moment and popping up everywhere. So if they haven't heard of this concept before, can you explain what it is and what crypto games actually look like?
1: Yeah, definitely. So the concept of play-to-earn uh, essentially is that players are rewarded for their in-game actions. It's normally tied to winning, but not exclusively. Um, It really just has to do with incentivizing players for their contribution to the blockchain and to the community. At the moment, the P2E games, play-to-earn games, they look pretty rudimentary. They very strongly mimic things like Pokemon, um, Hearthstone, if you're familiar with that. Uh, They definitely take on a very fantasy, magical look about them. Um, And look, in, in terms of gameplay mechanics, they haven't been overly complicated or complex. On the back end, obviously, there's tremendous amounts of complicated blockchain processes going on. But for the most part, they appear uh, a lot like phone apps, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. They're yeah. very bright, very colorful, probably geared towards getting the younger generation involved as well. But they definitely strike me as just from the, the top 10 at the moment, very Pokemon-oriented. <laughs>
0: oh my God. And they um, I think when I first started down this rabbit hole of research, I was like, what? I just... I don't understand. Like, I don't understand what is happening here. But then you see people playing these games and they're actually earning money doing this and they're just having fun playing a game. So it is a very interesting concept. Let's chat through one of the examples. Like, there's a few big players in this space. Axie Infinity is one that most people are familiar with. Can you talk us through how that particular game works?
1: Yeah, so Axie Infinity... Absolutely one of the most popular ones. I very nearly dipped my toes in and invested as well. Their developers all met playing something called Crypto Kitties, which is another <laughs> another play-to-earn game, sort of an earlier predecessor to Axie. Very strong Pokemon vibes on that one as well. And it's got to do with collecting, breeding, and battling Axes, which are like, um, basically they, they do look like Pokemon. They're, they're monsters and they have attributes and classes and styles. And you make a team of three and then you battle either other users with axes or there's also PVP. So player versus player or PVE player versus environment traditionally where you play bots or AI. Um, so you don't necessarily need a, a real opponent there. So it's got those two main styles. Players essentially put together a roster of three axes, which you have to buy online. And you put those against other players, against the environment, and in doing so earn rewards. And those rewards are basically what can be turned into money.
0: My gosh. And so, like, how much money are we talking? Like, how much can people make in one of these
1: games? I've seen some, some varying things. I think a pretty reliable one that I saw was that about $500 a month, the average Axie Infinity player can earn if they're active.
0: And active, is that like I play this all day, every day of my life? or?
1: <laughs> I, think, I think it's a fair amount of playing. Look, to earn $500, and i am going to assume that's US dollars a month. I would assume you'd be putting in more than a workday.
0: I uh, <laughs> don't yeah. quit your day job just yet,
1: guys. <laughs> oh, goodness.
0: Okay. And something that really interests me about Axie, and I am seeing it across some of the other players as well, is the fact that, yes, you can earn, but to actually participate for some of these, you have to, in this case, buy an Axie. So you have yeah. to... By the character that you're going to play the game with and in the case of axe infinity some of these are really expensive and some of them are being resold for just obnoxious amounts and it's just i think this whole concept of to even get in a game like in the past you just had to you know buy a game and then you would be able to play it right like you bought the disc or you bought it and downloaded it and you would start to play this barrier to entry is a really interesting concept what do you think about it
1: yeah, no, I've got a lot of thoughts on that one, actually. As a traditional gamer who, yeah, I go to the store, I give someone money, and then I have the game, and that's all that I need to play. Recently, there's been a couple of additions to that that make that a little bit less true. But um, I think the barrier to entry is, is justified by the fact that these games do pay out back to the user. I'm just having a look at some of the um, – I did a sort of a mock team that I was going to build – and it looks like for a pretty average-looking team, I'd want to be spending about three to five hundred dollars just to get in. But based on what I've read earlier, it, it looks like we can make that back in a month.
0: Okay, all <laughs> right,
1: solid months' work. But I think the interesting thing here is that traditionally, games that offer a character to buy that has advancements—and like the point of all these the NFTs—is that yes, they are a barrier to entry, but they also carry with them blockchain-targeted statistics. So. These are the attributes of the characters, it's their powers and the ways that they can interact with the game. They do carry a little bit more than just their physical appearance, thank goodness, because some of them are just kind of copies of each other. Yeah. But I guess as opposed to traditional gaming where you will sometimes pay for these characters that give you an advancement in the game, that's been called pay to play and is just widely condemned because you do you fork out money for characters, for skins, and you get really nothing back except that enjoyment and it really annoys the gaming community. If you don't have the money to buy these advanced characters, you just kind of start losing. So in the play-to-earn world, it is a high barrier to entry, but it's one that I kind of agree with because you do get proportionate reward to how much you've spent. If you go out and buy these extremely rare NFTs as your team, not only do you have the resale value later on, but they're going to be stronger characters as well.
0: And I would love to touch on that whole NFT crossover as well, because I think the whole gaming world can really be, I guess, almost disrupted by this, but really find opportunity. You know, if you're in a game and everybody can collect a certain type of belt, but say the attributes of that belt, so the strength, the stamina, whatever else you get with that belt, if that's randomized, then you all of a sudden have a belt that looks the same as everyone else, but is actually worth a very different amount. And so the opportunity to actually own that and to own that in terms of an NFT is really, really interesting. We've spoken about it a couple of times. Obviously, when you're playing these games, these things that you own, they are all NFTs. How do you think that's going to change the gaming world?
1: It'll be quite interesting. One of the biggest game distributors, actually Steam Games, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, have basically come out and said that Because NFTs do, in fact, hold value, they are going to stay completely out of that space. They won't host or distribute any games. I mean, it's a previously established rule that they had. They didn't like games that had real-world value attached to it. NFTs is a perfect example of that. So they've basically come out and said, we won't do it. What it has done is left a huge space for Two of the other major game distributors, uh, you've got Epic and Origin games have both come out and said, all right, we think it's the future of games then. So look, it's exciting to see where it goes. I think there is definitely some sort of intermediaries between traditional AAA gaming and Axie Infinity, where the NFTs are actually extraordinarily valuable to people. Um, fantasy football, for example, is really coming up huge in the, in the scene at the moment because While I could own one of these small green axes, having a known player and having his NFT card in that game registered to you, I think is a lot more valuable to people who want a little bit more than just the game mechanics to show for it.
0: Definitely. And some of our listeners may not have ventured into the world of fantasy football. So can you let people know how I guess this used to work and how the NFT is going to change that
1: particular future going forward? Yeah. So the fantasy league games, gosh, I've been around for ages. Um, been a part of it, a couple of workplace ones. There's so many platforms. You, you sign up, you get to pick a team. There's normally some, I guess, some way to mitigate, obviously, choosing a team of all, you know, AAA players. But once, once you've got your players, the season plays out. Um, if you win matches, you get extra rewards. I don't believe there's, you know, detriments to losing, but obviously winning is better. And they've just been largely, season-based. So you jump on, register, make your team, follow up for the season, and then it's over and it's done. Now having NFTs involved, player ownership is actually going to probably mimic real life a little more where players are being traded for large amounts of money because having that player in your fantasy team is going to bolster your chances of winning and so on and so on.
0: Yeah. And guys, like if this is sounding to you like why are people spending so much on a a game or I guess a virtual world? This all ties, I guess, back into the metaverse, which is something that we spoke about back in our NFT episode. And something that does look more and more and more like it is going to be really part of our future moving forward. So when you own that, like... Maybe that's something that comes with actual team ownership in the real world is that you get this or maybe these matches are competed online, which they are already. You know, this is this is a sport. It is something that <laughs> <laughs> is something that has got a really wide following. And so it is something that people love, just like how you may think, oh my gosh, it's crazy to pay for an actual real world player. It's the same thing.
1: And that's it. There's a combination of bragging rights, popularity, plus just the inherent value of the player to the team for winning. A lot of those mechanics are going to come through into the NFT world. Racing is also quite large in there. Basically, anything, if you could imagine, used to be a baseball card or a Pokemon card, it, it can be made into an NFT game as well.
0: So exciting. And it's so exciting because it is the start of this. And it's something that is so fresh. And as you say, is Pokemon right now, but has a huge opportunity for potential in the future. So we are just speaking around the tech right now. We spoke about potential other games utilizing this in the future. Do you feel that it's got more opportunity or more room for expansion other than just, you know, games adding NFTs that you can buy and sell into it?
1: I think there will be a very delicate balance between the traditional gaming community and what NFT is going to bring to it as a again, a fairly traditional gamer, once I've spent my money, it's very hard to to squeeze any more out of it, especially for the notion of some digital ownership. At least in those games, there's there's just no crossover there that's needed. But I think where it's going to become really exciting is in that sort of metaverse space where there's a lot more room for creativity and ownership of that creativity, where traditional games don't necessarily have those mechanics just yet. They're being made now. Games and platforms being made for the metaverse are all being made with creativity in mind. Because I mean, look, they can make all the content or they can create a stage for us to make the content with each other, for each other, and back and forth, sell, own, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think that's where the space is going to move somewhere where the utility of the NFTs is more useful than, I guess, retroactively tacked onto an old game.
0: Definitely. And as a gamer, say it was an old game or something that you already love and use, if they only brought NFTs in for something that was chance-based, I guess. So, it's not something that you can exchange money for. But if, say, you pick up a certain prize, is that something that as a gamer you would be more receptive to and think would actually be adopted by the gaming community when it's not something that you can physically exchange money for? It's something that either requires skill or is randomized.
1: Definitely. and I mean, that, that touches on a mechanic that's already widely used by traditional gaming, which is random intermittent reinforcement. Which is the mechanic where it's very, very closely tied to gambling, where loot boxes basically the roll of the dice of a chance to get something really great. Five out of six times it's just going to be a dud or nothing, but you know on that, on that one chance that it's great. So games already really strongly utilise that, and I think pivoting from pay-to-play loot boxes, where people can go and buy in-game currency and, and buy stronger items, getting the chance to be given these things would be excellent. I it hasn't to think of games being that generous, but hey, <laughs> I'm open to it.
0: <laughs> well, I guess it's then that result, right? Like you either have the opportunity to hold on to it, especially if it's something that really advances you in the game. But if you had something that was then very rare and valuable that you'd got through a loot opportunity, then. Selling that, like that's just going to bring so many people in to play that game just for the chance. Of course, then it brings up and opens that whole can of worms of people building bots and hacking the system and like trying to, you know, get some other way to get this, especially when there's so much value tied to it. But it is Mm -hmm. something that I guess is really interesting to consider as a concept.
1: Yeah. I mean, the idea of getting something from a game that you can then resale is a phenomenal concept. I mean, even just the last 24 hours of Axie was $4.5 million of traded Axies in the last 24 hours. So there's, there's a huge moving market for these things. So I've got no doubt that if they were distributed in-game somehow, that there would be a market to buy them as well.
0: It's, yeah, very exciting journey. So what we've spoken about to now is the tech and everything behind like actually playing these games. Now, what most of our listeners are really familiar with is actually going and investing in them. So Mm. we've spoken about these over and over again. They regularly come up on crypto catch-ups because they have moved so much. So you'll hear things like Mana and Axie and Sand and Gala and Engine. They're all names that we know that we've all heard and probably most of you own. So we've spoken about the play to earn, but the other side of this, and I guess where Mana and sand really come in is that metaverse and being able to invest in it as people are up. But when you're actually in that metaverse, you can purchase things like you can purchase land, which is a concept we really briefly touched on in our NFT episode. How does that all tie together? Like something like Decentraland, which is Manna, how does that integrate with gaming and how is that sort of changing the world that we're living in right now?
1: Yeah. So a lot of those tokens and networks essentially are created to facilitate the NFTs and they'll usually have another token involved as well. Essentially, a lot of it is just to keep the cogs turning. Something like Decentraland is definitely a front runner in the metaverse where they're aiming to make a space for creativity for people to upload their creations, buy other people's creations, using predominantly the currency of mana on a network that's suitable for MANA. It's a whole kit and caboodle. And each of them tend to have their own as well. So I know Engine and Sand are all basically have that going for themselves, duplicates of each other. I'm pretty sure Axie utilizes the Ronin network. Uh, it basically, uh, Ethereum network clone as well. All of these things are pretty much – it's almost like there's a lot of horses in this race. A lot of people have come out and tried to make the one network, the one coin. Uh, but what they all have in common is that they provide that space for creativity and for sharing – probably not ideas. I'd say it's sharing creations largely with, I think, that overarching idea of this is going to be worth slightly more over time. And what
0: do you see like our participation in this? Like how are people going to participate in Decentraland in the future?
1: Uh, look, I'm not a content creator, but if you are, I think that's really where you'll get value out of it. If you're not just an investor, if you're not there for the monetary gains that come along with all this, because that's really what does drive a lot of the popularity is the speculation of higher value. But I think content creation is really going to be where people get to interact with these metaverse crypto coins if you've got something to contribute to the world, if you've got some art, some music, uh, a game idea, these will be the spaces that facilitate that. So if you, if you have an idea like Axie, you don't have to make the network and the token all on your own. You go into one of these spaces and they've got dApps that you can basically used to create these games in their worlds, in their spaces, utilizing their networks and the currency. So people can sort of go to one central hub to find these things rather than you having to fly solo and create a blockchain of your own.
0: Which is an incredible thought. Like if you think about how much manpower is behind building a game. Like we know every game in the world just takes teams and teams of people and hundreds of thousands of dollars and so many months in preparation because you are building everything. You're building everything from like the look of the floorboard right down to the bird that flies by or a tree. Anything that you see in a game has been built and coded by someone. So the thought that you could go to Decentraland or Sand or any of these places and have a pre-built world where you just put your content and your game on top of, it's revolutionary because it's just going to allow so many more ideas come to life, which is really cool. And for creators, like if you've created a piece of art that sits in a certain part in Decentraland, that then becomes potentially part of a game in the future. Every time someone plays that game, they're going to see your art that you've put in there. So it's just this whole, I guess, layer on layer um, of really cool evolution for the gaming
1: space. Yeah, it's a very collaborative space now. And I think that's really where it needs to go because uh, games are getting extraordinarily complicated and complex, driven by what we want from them. You know, we want every map to be the largest one. We want the world to be the most detailed yet. Um, So a lot of this is going to come down to the community engagement and contributing ideas, contributing art, content. Um, Whether or not it's all to the same game or to lots of separate ones, The major idea is that there's hubs for creativity. So you don't have to do all the legwork yourself. You just get to sort of jump in, show the world what you have created, utilizing one of these networks. And I guess it gives you the opportunity to immediately start seeing the rewards as well. It's
0: very cool. So as a traditional gamer, which you refer to as yourself, and, and my husband is, and so many people I know, like this is a challenging concept to get our head around. As is so much of the tech that's being built right now, I think it's really interesting that we're seeing a lot of these games being built in a like almost Pokemon style or almost like Minecraft style, which younger generations are naturally drawn to. They're loving and they're probably making more than they've ever made in pocket money by playing these games if their parents allow them. So obviously we have our ideals and values. Do you feel because a younger generation is going to be drawn to this and they're probably going to be playing on this, that this might be the way of future games because of that? Or do you think they're going to fall back into our, I guess, more resistance against this type of notion?
1: I think it really depends on who is presenting it. If it's one of those major game developers, it's going to be very hard to break the mold that you're just throwing them more money because you have bought their games. And yeah, as a pre-traditional gamer, I'm pretty set in my ways. Once I've spent the money, I don't want to spend any more. However, I can see that this is going to get bigger and bigger. Money is being made. So that that really is going to keep the ball rolling. I think the other thing that's going to really make the NFT play-to-own world explode is going to be AR and VR technology. So augmented reality or virtual reality. Um, so Google Glasses that you can see through and seeing these games and NFTs actually play out in the real world, I think it's going to be the biggest hurdle because that is probably the the largest undermining factor of NFTs is people say, but what do I actually have? Mm. What can I show for it? The The play-to-earn games are a great start. What can I show for it? Well, I'm, I'm earning money and I'm having this fun and you couldn't be here without the NFT. That's a good start. I think where this needs to go is really incorporating the metaverse, Augmented reality, and to be able to show off these concepts, these games, the graphics, bring it a little bit closer into real life. Because at the moment they are just they are computer games, and they do lack maybe the graphics and the complexity of AAA titles. So they they do have some ground to cover there.
0: Yeah, and I think a, a really great current real world example of how this has already happened is even in Fortnite, right? Like I've never played it. But people pay so much money for skits. And it's because it's in that online community and they want to be showing it off. Mm. Whereas in the past, if you're playing offline and just playing against yourself and AI, you're like, why? Why would I ever invest more money? Because I don't really care about showing off unless it's going to let me level up so much faster. And even then, exchanging actual money for that is just something that is so... I guess, challenging to get your head around. Whereas this new online space where you do get to show off and even more so incorporating that into something even closer to real world, it is going to be very interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, absolutely is.
0: If someone is new to this space, they've heard this episode, they're like, oh, I want to get in on this action. Where would you suggest they start exploring this play-to-earn concept?
1: Uh, Look, jump online, have a look at play-to-earn games, have a look at how much it costs, have a look at how much people are making. I highly recommend if you don't want to invest a lot that you can borrow other people's NFTs to play with. Um, yeah, it's called cool. it's a, a mentor scholar relationship. I think Axie call it, but essentially, if you have an NFT and you don't want to play, I could lend it to you. You could play, and we we split the winnings. Essentially, uh, you would earn slightly more for having done the legwork. I get a cut for having owned the NFT.
0: really cool concept.
1: It's a great concept and just lowers that barrier to entry uh, a lot for people who aren't 100% sure this is what they want to do. You just want to try it out. There is still a bit of a setup process. You've got to have all the same wallets that you would if you had bought these things, but you connect with someone on Telegram or Discord. They lend you their NFT. You can battle with it, see if you like it. If not, return it and try the next one.
0: Very cool. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for joining us today. Like, this has been such an incredible topic to learn about and open our eyes a little bit more, too.
1: Thank you so much for having me on.